Palm Sunday. That's today, right? There was not much reaction. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Palm Sunday and we get sunshine. It might have been snowing yesterday. It's what I was told. But sunshine today. A reason to celebrate. Especially in Michigan where we don't see the sun for a while. I'm glad they celebrated when Jesus came in. The story Emily read at the beginning. I think we need that. Now there's a lot of stuff that happened in and around that celebration that demonstrates that maybe they didn't quite understand what they were doing. But I'm glad they did it anyway. Because we have a king, the king of peace, who has come to us, who has entered in. And I don't think we always fully grip what that looks like, what that is, what it feels like, how it affects our lives. I think we spend a lot of time talking about that because we need to. But to start with celebration, it's a good place. And I, and I want to encourage you to have that mindset. Not just this one Sunday a year. But to start with celebration. Because God is among us. God is with us. He has come to us. That fact is unchanged. And wherever we find ourselves, we always can celebrate and honor the fact that God is here with us. Let's never forget it. Amen? I want to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. If God is among us and teaches us, it is good that we would listen. It is good that we would acknowledge, that we would take a moment to, to learn what it is to live in this kingdom that God has invited us to be a part of. And so this is what's going on in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. This is Jesus laying it out. This is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like, folks. And you know it's a challenge when I've felt the need to put disclaimers in front of several sermons, right? Because this way of God, the, the way, God's way, God's will, it tends to be a little touchy. It tends to be a little difficult for us to grip and to deal with. And I don't need a disclaimer in front of this one, as far as I know, but you all have the capacity to prove me wrong on that. But I want to read this and see if it sounds familiar. I'm going to start, it's Matthew 7, and I'm starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For what everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give them a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts 
those who ask him. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. That last couple lines, that sounds somewhat familiar. Golden rule, anybody? Yeah, so this should be somewhat familiar. Jesus is putting this in line as he's giving this message, this sermon. He is giving us a lot of instruction on how to be and what to do and the mental, emotional, spiritual approach to life, how we interact with each other, the path we walk. And it's starting to really hit hammer points in chapter 7. And this is one of those. It starts with this whole idea of asking and seeking and knocking. Very popular in the Christian bookstores to see these, right? Uh, This is a verse that we know. It's a verse that is out there. Has anybody ever been searching for something important? Maybe you've lost something. Like that feeling when you've lost your wallet or purse or whatever it might be. Or a child. Let's just go there. That'll freak some people out. Uh, You guys don't seem to be too concerned about your wallet, so let's go to the kids. You know, you, you get that feeling, right? That pit in your stomach. There's a fear. There's a... That which I need is not here. That which I'm responsible for is not present. And then there is a process you go through. How many of you have ever, uh, maybe you've had an opportunity to to go and do something. You had a sense like, I need to to go on a vacation. I need to buy a car, a house. Uh, That next major step in life. It's not something you maybe currently have, but it's that next major step. A career, go to college, whatever it might be. How does that process work? What, goes, what do we go through in order to make those decisions, in order to make that happen? Some of us are really into this process so much that we don't even buy groceries without going through some very detailed look for coupons and other assorted ways. Well, which one is better? Is it this, this, which brand, all that other kind of stuff? I have found for myself, I tend to over-research everything because that stops me from making impulse buys which is important if you're me. But I think this process of discovery is important. And it's got, Jesus identifies three phases of it. Ask, seek, knock, right? Ask. We start with questions. That's the first approach. The journey towards discovery begins with questions. It's when we get curious. It's when we need some kind of answer. It's when it the awareness that we have starts to to trip and to trigger and now we need to get some answers so let's say you're planning to buy something a a car a house or go on a vacation well what do we begin to do we start to ask questions oh have you ever been there have you what dealership do you go to uh what realtor you know all i know i did that this when it was around and we start to ask questions we get curious we go look at reviews and Online, or we just throw it out on Facebook because that's the easiest thing in the world, right? Because everything on Facebook's reliable. I haven't dug on Facebook in a while, so I had to get that in today. 
There's not much commitment at this point. It's a questioning time. What's best? What do I need to know? What's out there? What's, what's going on? I don't know. I need to know. I have to be curious. I have to ask. In the faith world, this is often the, maybe I should go to church phase. Now, what's that all about? What's that person up front talking about? And it can hit people at any different stage of life, a small child to a full-grown adult. In fact, I think some of the times it's most beautiful is when maybe you've been part of a faith community forever and ever ever, and then you start getting curious and you just start discovering more and more and more. Because I've met folks like that and I just love those conversations. When it starts to really sink in, we have this questioning phase. There's a lack, there's something we don't know and we are curious, we want to get an answer. I actually think that we would benefit as a society if we spent a little bit more time in the curiosity phase. If we actually acknowledge that we maybe don't know and it would be good to hear from another or to ask questions or to seek answers instead of just assuming that we know everything because obviously God made me the smartest person in the world. I think this is important and listen, we're invited to ask. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is inviting you to ask. It's an assumption that you would be curious, that you would question, ask, be curious about God and the kingdom of God. He doesn't expect you to know everything just because you walked into a church once. He invites your questions. He invites your curiosity. He invites your need. Ask. Ask. Seek. Search. The next part of this. Searching involves action. To seek is to go and actually do something. That's the research. It's the digging. It's the taking steps. Well, I've heard this. Now i got to test it out. I've heard that dealership is more reliable than other dealerships. I'm going to go actually walk through their door and see what they have to say. I've heard this. Now let me see. Let me see for myself. Let me search. It's going out with the intent to possibly make a change or make a decision. This is when we people in, in the faith community will start to really dig into the scripture, read their Bibles. It's when they start to have that sense, I need to pray. And not just the casual little prayers, which there's nothing wrong with, but like, what would it be like to actually pray with intentionality? To do this kind of as a, a part of my daily life or, or just as I go in and out of different spaces. You know, one of the things that I have found for myself is I used to feel very pressured. You need to have your devotional time. Anybody ever felt that pressure? Anybody here have that? You got that good devotional time where you read a scripture, pray, do something at a certain period of time every day. Yeah, and for you, God bless you. It's not me. I always felt like I was failing because I couldn't maintain that. That's not how I do most anything in life. I mean, 
I'm told you're supposed to have a consistent bedtime, and someday maybe I'll have that, but this whole space for me has been a process of how do we go to God? And one of the things that I have found is there's moments throughout the day where I will stop and focus. And that usually for me is maybe I am getting really overwhelmed with something or frustrated about something, or I just need a moment to, to, be, to bring that sacred to the forefront but it basically starts with the assumption that God is already there. And then it's my attention to give. And that will cause me to, to go to the scripture. That will cause me to, to pray. That will cause me to go different things. But I took the timetable away and I got a lot better at it. Or maybe I was doing it fine before and I just needed to change my expectations. It's the seeking, it's the searching. It's when you start to participate rather than hear about. And this is a part, church, where I think we do need to pay some attention. Because somewhere on the line, along the line, we thought that participation is hearing. There is an action connected with that. Or if the action's there, it's like a bonus. Like, all right, I did a good job. Searching is doing. It's taking action. It's participating. If we want to be in the kingdom of God, if we want to find God, then we need to participate in the things of God. This is our act of searching. Some of us never get past the curiosity phase. Or if they do, we just kind of stop somewhere in the middle. It's like, well, I asked all my questions. I got my answer. And I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Amen. Guess I'm just going to wait for the funeral. And that's not where we need to be. I sometimes feel as we look across churches all over America today, that we're all waiting on funerals. That's not where God is. Not that he isn't going to be with us through all of that stuff, but we are invited to participate. Search, to seek. It's a part of how we draw close to God. Maybe you're not there yet, but let me tell you, as you Seek As you ask questions, you will be drawn like, oh, I need to join in. I need to participate. I need to see. Knock. This is getting serious. It's the bold step. It is the change. It is the becoming. It is the discovery. It is the, what do I need to do to make this happen? In the church world, it's baptism. Or for some, it's an altar. It's a decision. It's that inbreaking of new life in its more full expression where we begin to define ourselves not as something apart from God, but as God's person, a child of God. 
knock, go in, all in, make the decision. We are invited to do so. The journey of discovery usually goes through these different phases, sometimes quickly, sometimes it takes a long time, sometimes it takes a lifetime. So why do you think Jesus would name, that, name these? Because it's okay to be where you're at. To ask, to seek, to knock. Wherever you're at in this process, you can be there. There are acceptable places to be. There's a pathway to salvation that we're invited to walk. And what's more, there's an assurance given. Because this journey, the asking, the seeking and the knocking, it does not end. You don't arrive and you are fully there. It's a part of all of our lives, consistently. Something that we will continue to do. This journey of discovery of God and his kingdom, it is something that does not end. It's beautiful in that sense. That so we are all called to ask, to be curious, to seek, to participate, to knock, to decide, to do, to become. I find it reassuring to know that I have not fully arrived yet. That there is more that God wants to show me, more about his kingdom, more about the life that he has given me to live. There is more going on, and I get invited to pursue it, to see it, to know it. I don't know what all God has done in me or is wants to do in me yet. So I can keep searching, which means I can keep discovering. Because think about the emotion when you actually find. That's the celebration, isn't it? That's the palm branch. That's joy. Some of those discoveries are really hard, but then once you start to figure them out, they become gifts. That which I was blind to before, now I see. And I'm better. God's work is more clear. I'm able to do what I couldn't do before. The journey to Christ with Christ is endless discovery. For those who ask, seek, and knock. And I think it's beautiful. I think it is worthy of living for. So what happens? Answers and open doors. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will, anybody? Fine, knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Did you hear the emphasis on everyone? Are you part of everyone? Am I? Yes, we all are. Everyone. 
everyone. God is not stingy. He is not hiding from us. He is not attempting to manipulate us. He doesn't give us this little bit here so that he can get us to do this little bit over here. He's not playing games. The doors of the kingdom of God are open because Christ. Those who ask, receive. You got a question, your curiosity. You will find answers. Those who seek, who participate, who engage, the thing they're seeking, they're going to discover. You're going to see it. Those who knock, those who go in, they're going to be welcome. And the one who is not with God, saw themselves apart from God, will now understand that they are actually children of God. They're welcome in God's house. We all are. Has this been your experience? Think about it. God. And I have met so many people who feel very wounded when the thing they want, and sometimes seemingly very justifiable wants, don't happen. The prayer doesn't get answered the right way. God is not a cosmic vending machine. It is not God's will or nature to give people what they want simply because they want it. Has anybody ever gotten a very strange request from a child before? Or if you don't want to go with children, perhaps it was a spouse or a parent. Let's just, let's just include everybody here because strangeness is not limited to children they're just more direct about it. You know, my kids will sometimes ask me for stuff. I know. They don't know what they're asking for. This is not good. This is not something that actually is going to enhance their life or cause them to, to grow or develop. It's not going to be what they think it is. There's a whole industries built out there 
to get you to buy a bunch of crap you don't need. And I know what those things look like, but they don't. And they see their friends doing this or that or whatever, and they don't understand why they can't. And the answer no isn't considered to be a worthy answer. Has anybody ever been there? I want this. No. That is not what you need right now. It's not good for you. You're not listening. And please... I'm using my kids because that's the easiest one. But how many of you have parents that might fall into the same category? How many of you looked in the mirror following the same category? No is not an acceptable answer because I get what I want. If we interpret this scripture this way, well, I can ask anything I want and God has to give it to me. He says it right there. Then we're missing the point. I mean, let's think about this. I know people that they, they're consistently praying that they're going to win the lottery and play for that intent because the thought is, is if you could win the lottery, what is it, whatever it might be, you know, $100,000, million dollars, billion dollars, whatever they numbers they throw out at you, that if I just had that, then life would be good. Lord, please save me by giving me money, because we all know that money is where salvation comes from. No, it doesn't, but we're acting like it does, and it starts to go down this road. When we are curious and we seek after the kingdom of God, that is when we find answers, truth. That's when we discover what life is truly all about. What is it that we are asking after? What is it that we are seeking? What door are we knocking on? The answer to in order to understand this scripture is the kingdom of God. It is God's way. It is salvation, reconciliation, eternal life. It is the things of God because it is on that foundation that everything else is built. And we search there, then we can actually find. When we make God subservient to what we want, then we put ourselves in the place of God. And we're never going to find anything there. We want what truly matters. Truth in its purest form. Life. The things of God. And I know that sounds like a bummer. We really want to read this scripture and several others like it. As well, well God's going to give me anything I want. the thing that we really need is him and he does not withhold himself salvation comes from God seek after that ask after that knock on that door 
and you will find. Is there anyone among you, if your child asked for bread, you'd give him a stone? Or if a child asked for a fish, you'd give him a snake? Admit it, there are some amongst you that would do that. I, I know, I'm one. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good gifts to those who ask him? God gives good gifts. And I think we should get this. It's an easy concept. If you have children or you've been a child, you know the power of a gift. You know the joy of a good gift at a good time. Adults know this. What it is to receive what you need when you need it. What it is to be connected to someone who actually knows you well enough to know what you need and when you need it. Our instinct is to give good gifts. And how do we do it? We, we know the person. We know, and in knowing, we care. And then we might see the right thing and think of someone and it's like, I'm gonna get that for them. Or maybe the gift they need is presence, but we have the instinct to know it. Or an ear to listen. Or sometimes a challenge. We know the person well enough to give them a good gift. We know their needs. We know what is harmful and what is life-giving. And our gifts are meant to be life-giving. One of the biggest gifts I ever received wasn't a thing. Uh, many of you know my grandfather was a farmer. And I loved hanging out with Grandpa. Because I was on the tractor riding around with him as early as two years old. And just, if I could do it, I did it. That's what we did. I probably annoyed him to death, but he was always willing to let me. And uh, as I got older, one of the things was is I wanted to drive the tractor. Anybody ever been there? Come on. Some of you are like, I started driving tractor when I was four years old. And maybe that's true, but my family wasn't so much into that. A lot of open cabs. Um, but I don't know, I was probably nine-ish, uh, nine, maybe 10 years old. And uh, grandpa decided one day that, you know what? I'm gonna let you, I am gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to drive a tractor, which was about as excited as a nine-year-old could get. And it wasn't anything terribly expensive. Massey Ferguson, anybody remember those? Uh, Massey Ferguson, but not, not a big one. It's one of those that you could have, it had a mower deck under it. I think Grandpa had an agenda here. Uh, it wasn't too big, but that's where I started. It was a hydrostat too, so it's basically forward, back. It's about that complicated. But he taught me how to do it. And he taught me how to mow the yard. We started at the back of the farm, by the way. And Grandpa pulled up a chair. And he made sure I didn't run into anything. <laughs> and he taught me how to mow the yard. He taught me how to drive a tractor. And I thought it was the greatest gift in the world because now I had the keys. 
Grandpa probably thought it was great too because he didn't have to mow the yard pretty much ever again. Uh, not at his house anyway. But the gift that I really got from that it wasn't access to the tractor. I mean, that was fun. But guess what? Once you learn how to drive a tractor, you're expected to work. <laughs> the real gift I got from that was the trust. That this man that I respected so much would look at a nine-year-old and think, you know what, I can trust you with this. You're mature enough to handle it. No one else thought that, by the way. But he did. It was the relationship I had. That was the real gift. It was that connection. In this case, it was grandfather to grandson. And in your case, it might be parent to child, grandparent to child, child to grandparent, child to parent, friend to friend, friend to enemy. But that relationship is the gift. And in the context of what we are talking about here, he is our heavenly father. And your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to his children. That's how we're described. The gift that we have is our connection to God. Everything else is going to come out of that. We've been given the gift of an open door to the very kingdom of God. We've been given a gift of relationship, not estranged, but because of Christ whole between us and God. And this gift is where everything else comes from. Now we mess this stuff off all the time. Sometimes a gift that we think is good really isn't. God does not. I think sometimes we're a little like those folks on Palm Sunday. We've got our palm branches and we're celebrating. We're not really sure what we're celebrating, but we're celebrating because the King is coming. God is with us. He is here. But let's remember what happened. Jesus comes in to celebration. But a week later, he goes out the chance of crucify him, crucify him. Right? Jesus didn't live up to what other people thought he should do. And celebration turned to anger real quick. all this political stuff starts to happen. He was a threat to everybody's power and position. This way of Jesus, this kingdom of God, this isn't how the world's supposed to work. This isn't how it's done. And they started celebrating, but when they met the true king, the king of peace, 
They're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to follow that guy. They weren't sure what to do with him. Ask, seek, knock. And when you're not sure, the last part of this verse, and everything do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the whole law and the prophets. That's what it all comes down to. If you don't know what to do, do that. The golden rule. You know what's interesting about the golden rule? Is you don't just find this in the Sermon on the Mount. You don't just find it in the pages of the Bible. It is a rule whose idea is spread throughout all of culture. Most every religion has some version of the golden rule. Most every society has this instinct to treat others as you would have them treat you. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yet we screw it up all the time. We don't know what to do. Do this. Do this. Give the gift of respect and honor to another. Receive it from another. The foundation. I think Jesus is smart. I think that should be a no-brainer to anybody else too, but we'll see. In giving us this rule, He gives us the very basic tool that we need to do most everything else. If we want to ask, seek, and knock, start here. Start there. If we want to be connected to each other in a meaningful way, start here. If we want to be connected to God, then this looks like the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God we're going to go through all kinds of stuff in life and we're going to come up with all kinds of reasons that we don't have to respect another person they don't believe what we believe in religion they don't believe that we believe in politics they don't believe what we believe they don't dress the way we want but whatever it might be and if we can ever other someone else to the point where we no longer have to treat them with respect we can do anything we want and excuse it and jesus on the sermon on the mount in one short word says all the law and the prophets rely on this this is all the law and the prophets this is not optional Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We're invited into the kingdom of God. Where we can ask, seek, and knock. And we will receive, we will find, and we will be all in. God is not stingy with his gifts. Let's not just receive that. Let's be that.
we receive, we give. We give, we receive. And inside of the relationships that are built in that context between God and us, between us and others, we will begin to find answers, what the kingdom of God is all about, and what it's like to actually live in a community where Christ is king, as he is. Where peace is not an idea, it's a reality where we can be whole. And ultimately, there's nothing else in this whole wide world that can best that. Easter Sunday's coming, right? They killed Jesus. Did it take innocence put on the cross and executed publicly, but not destroyed? whole world might say this now nothing you don't have to do that you want to get in the head in life you take advantage of everybody you can take advantage of and you do what you need to do doesn't win never wins because this truth is greater than all of that that's what we celebrate on Easter true celebration known found discovered Let's stand here. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come forward and let's pray. Lord God, today, help us to be curious, to be curious of you, to be curious of each other, to be curious of how this faith that we have plays out and works and what you're doing in the world. Lord, help us to seek, to participate, to join in. Help us to, to discover as we do so, what it really means to follow you, what you're really doing, what your will is. And Lord, give us the courage to knock, to not hold back, to not stand apart from, but to knock, to go forward, to enter in to your work and your kingdom, to be your child, acknowledged and known. Lord, you invite us into this space. Help us to go there fully, willingly, with assurance and knowledge that this is a foundation that's worthy of standing on, not just in a moment for the whole of life. Lord, help us to be people who give the gift of relationship, give the gift of respect and honor, give as we would have others give to us. Lord, help us to when we're not sure what to do and life seems very confusing, to find these touch points that we can go back to and we don't know what to do, we know we can do that. And Lord, as we do so, we trust you to bind us together, to draw us as one, your people, in your kingdom. Lord, show us the path forward. Help us to celebrate everywhere we find you. Lord, we ask this now in your most holy name. Amen.